0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his story goes on throughout all of eternity. But what we see tonight is a a restored life responds to God's grace by emulating God's grace. And uh, grace experience leads to grace shared. That's a key thought I want us to lock onto. Grace experience leads to grace shared. This kind of thing I'm going to describe happens to me all the time. And um, it just feels like this immediate escalation in mine and God's relationship whenever it happens. Uh, so I'm going down 40 the other day, and I'm going I'm by myself, and, and, um, and I'm doing five over. So I'm doing about 70, and the guy just completely cuts me off. I mean, he cuts me off to the point that there's smoke coming off of my wheels. I'm fighting. my steering wheel. There's traffic on both sides. I, I'm just, you know, I, I feel like I'm successful if I don't hit him and I stay in my lane. And I, I immediately just started talking like Yosemite Sam. I did. You know, Cetaphras <laughs> and a you know, and the things that I was, I really didn't say anything worse than this, you know, this charismatic cursing. You know, there was no interpretation, so it wasn't from the Lord. But, um, uh, I, I mean, I was mad, man. And uh, God just immediately rebuked me. And it wasn't one of those little rebukes like, you know better or be a better guy. You know, come on, Tim, be a better boy. He, he immediately put in my spirit how much he had done for me in saving me. Tim, I kept you from the pit of hell. Tim, I delivered you out of alcoholism, drug abuse. I delivered you out of a life trapped in lust and violence. And he just put all that in my face. And, you know, Tim, I've been good to you. Can't you just forgive this guy right now? And I could, I could see the trade-off God is asking me for. It's like, I have heaped grace on you. I mean, just heaped it on you. Could you just give some grace right now? And I was, I was I by myself, talking out loud to the Lord. And this is what I said. I said, God, I really can share some grace, but you won't have to give me a few minutes. Because uh, I was working through it. And I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Anybody can relate to this. Or maybe if I illustrate it in sort of a a little boy way. I've never really liked bubble gum. But back in the 80s, you know, if you were a cool guy baseball player, you had Super Bubble. And somebody gave me a whole, they, they, they come in these plastic buckets with a handle, a whole bucket of chewing gum. Just a bucket. And I was, man, I went to baseball practice with this bucket of chewing gum. And one of my buddies wanted a piece. Now, this whole thing had been gifted to me but I felt like if I gave it away that I would lose something. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, God's grace doesn't work like that. We have been showered with more than we could ever handle, and when we share it, it does not diminish what we receive. Let me say that again. When we share it, it does not diminish what we received. Now, I, I, I want to shorten, I'm just going to be honest, I want to shorten my message from the 4 flock service to this service I, I, I felt like it was too much and so I'm gonna you know if you, if you were to look on page 14 of your notes I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out in a video later I'm, I'm just I want to do three things I mean two things I want to share with you three thoughts on what it looks like to extend the grace from the story of job and I want to I want to share a story from scripture that Jesus shares to bring it home to us and I'm going to leave off page 14 and just share that later by video I I just don't want to burden us with more than we can receive at one time. So let's jump right in. Job 42, beginning at verse 7 through the end of the chapter. You don't happen to have a copy of the scripture. It's on page 12 in your bulletin. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly, For you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the Timonite, and Bildad, the Shuhite and Zophar, the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job, when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys, and a whole lot of stuff to clean up. One person was listening. He. he he had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter, Jemima, and the name of the second daughter, Keziah, and the name of the 3rd Karen Kerem-Hapuk. And in all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 104 <coughs> years and saw his sons and his sons' sons of four generations. And Job died, an old man, full of days. His father... As we look into your word, look into our spirits, look into our souls, look into our lives, and show us, Father, two things. Show us your glory. We want to see how I lift it up. And show us ourselves. And show us just as Brother Andrew has said, that when we cry for mercy, you answer our pleas. Father, this is a spiritual word. It is not just a piece of literature. And because it is a spiritual word, it can only be discerned through spiritual means. And We don't have it within us. So give us understanding, and more than anything, give us yourself. We do not simply want to deal with the book. We want to meet the author. Meet with your people now. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts about what it looked like for Job to extend grace. Number one, Job extends grace to his friendly-ish foes. Now, I chose that word very carefully, friendly-ish. They came to him as friends, but they weren't really friends. They, they, they wound up putting themselves in the position of foes. And you know what? God did not receive what these guys were doing. How do I know that? Okay, go back and look at verses 7 through 9. God said, I don't like what y'all said. I like what Job said. I don't like what you said. Now, here's something interesting. Wasn't what they were saying all along? I don't think so, because Job was in that company of saying the wrong stuff with them all along. What's the difference? Now, Job has seen God clearly, and Job basically, as the old saying goes, repents and sackcloth and ashes. They did not join him in that repentance So now God is positioning them to repent. God's angry with these guys. He's angry that they they haven't arrived at the same conclusion that Job has. Job had wrong prepositions. They had wrong prepositions. God confronted Job. God confronted these guys. Job repents. Job worships in humility. And these guys still got a problem. So God goes vanilla ice on them. If you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Can you see yourself praying for your enemies? If the grace of God has come to you in such a way that you see that you have been delivered out of the destiny of hell, that you have been taken out of the kingdom of Satan, that you've been brought out of darkness and into light, that you've been cut free from bondages and can expect heaven as your reward, if you have received such grace, And what does it look like to turn and bless others? If you've been given a bucket of super bubble, a bucket of super bubble that never runs dry, can't we give a couple pieces of super bubble? Now, if this seems radical, it is. But what would Jesus tell us? Jesus would say, love your who? Enemies. And do what? Do good to them who persecute you. Wow. That is radical thinking. And in this way, Job shows us that he really has received grace. It's not just a theory. It's not just a religious practice. The grace of God has so visited Job that he issues that grace to others. Friends, can you say the same is true in your life? Secondly, Job extends grace to his fickle friend. Now, this is the one that trips me up right here. i got to tell you. Nowhere before this has all these brothers and sisters and, and friends been mentioned. Verse 11 says, Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. Hold up, wait a minute. These are fickle friends. They had known him before, when before, when he was in his prosperity. But where are they in his pain? They're gone. Let me see if I can bring this home with just an everyday sort of illustration. And it's one of these things that doesn't make me look very pastoral, but it's very true. I got a DUI one time. Uh, got a DUI. I was outside my car. The keys weren't in the switch. They weren't in my pocket. They were laying in the seat or in the full board. And uh, I went to Gloria. The Lord lawyer. The lawyer said, the lawyer says, you can beat this. I said, I don't want to beat this. You know, my brother is, you know, dead because of this foolishness, and I need to face my increasing foolishness. I need to stop drinking and driving. I need to see the face, and I need to quit. And I'm a hard-headed, y'all. I'm one of these guys that needs to feel the weight of that punishment before I change my behavior. And so I, I stood before the judge. I said, I'm guilty, and I'll accept the punishment. He says, wow, you are, and you will. He immediately, that, that in court, gave me this thing that says, hey, you have driving privileges to and from work. Um, and I was working at that time, sometimes 14 hours a day, and he just gave me these broad privileges. And I said, man, I've got it made. I've totally got it made. I can go to work. And all my friends who I've been carting around for years will just flock to me. They'll take me shopping. They'll take me out or, you know, to the clubs and dancing. They'll just come. They will. They will. People got me, man. That's, I, just, I was confident. I thought about the guy. Uh, David and I had a co-worker. David, I used to drive into town, pick him up, go to the to the, uh, to the the power plant, get off work, drive him back to town, go back out in the country. I was just saying, you know, I, I've been a good guy to people. I had another friend. You remember our friend, Cisco? I would drive to Ringo. Y'all know where Ringo is? I'd get this dude drive into town. and had another guy I'd take him home sometimes. Sometimes I'd drive to Ringo after work and then I'm like, I've been a good guy, I've paid into the system. My friends will come and get me. Not marry a soul. Not one. Not I didn't have any kin folks that carted me around. I didn't have any friends that carted me around. Your boy was stranded. Now, it's one of these things that I don't kind of want don't want to confess, but I think it's useful. I don't want to confess because it makes me feel wimpy. It really hurt. It really hurt. I mean, it really hurt. I was already sort of this angry guy. You talking about closing off? And I basically got this forget everybody attitude for a long time. It took Christ to break it. It really did. I started doing this. I'm watching out for me and mine and everybody else to get the bricks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever felt like your friends have let you down? Anybody ever felt like you had friends and you came into a situation and found out you didn't have friends? (sighs) But Job had received the grace of God and Job wasn't operating according to the system of the world. Job was operating according to the system of heaven. It's just that plain and simple. How do I know? How do I know? Because they came and sat at Job's table and ate the meal he prepared for them. Job didn't look at the world system and say, let me play the game of if you're good to me, I'll be good to you. He says, God's been good to me, so I'm going to be good to you. Do you know the radical transformation the Holy Spirit wants to render in your life when this comes home to roost in us? See, God was never good to you because you was good to God. There are none who seek him. There are none who do good. Amen, church. Nobody was searching after God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And and while we were sinners, the Holy Spirit came to reveal Christ to us, to redeem us from sin, and to rescue us from Satan. Grace, unmerited favor was given to us. And Job is not operating on the, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours sort of worldly idea. He says, no, God has been abundantly good to me. Now I've got to be abundantly good others. I find this really challenging. Grace holds no grudges. Grace holds no grudges. Grace releases us from spirits of bitterness and vengeance and sets us loose to worship God and serve people. To live as thankful people, So Job has extended grace to his friendly-ish foes. Job has extended grace to his fickle friends. And probably one of the most touching things to me is Job extends grace to his future family. And he's like, Pastor, where do you see that? See, in this sort of American way of looking at things, we don't realize how amazing something is in this passage. He includes his daughters in the inheritance. is so cool. So many young women sit here. Okay, if you, if you young women would have been living in those days, and uh, Destiny, you have brothers. Allie, you have brothers. Uh, Kaylee, you have one brother. Sarah, you have a brother. I want to know. You got one brother. It, Lawrence is like, he ain't getting nothing anyway. Mm-hmm. I see it on your face. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a good child. Huh? You're a good child. Right? But in these times, women would have been, a, they would have established a dowry. I mean, like or love it. I'm just telling you, I mean, you know, how it was. They would establish established a dowry, whatever that would have been, you know, like, I feel like uh, Carolyn would have had like a flock of sheep, and, you know, some, some good linens, a couple chairs, two or three, you know, well, strong, laid out goats. <laughs> when she got married, she would have took her dowry with her, and that would have been what she left her family with, and she would have come into her husband's family, and she would have lived with his earnings and his inheritance. Okay. is living out of the love of the grace of God. This is radically different. He's not operating by just what he ought to do. He's operating with what he's able to do. Grace has come on Job, and Job is acting different. Now later on there there comes a law. You know, Job is a contemporary of Abraham. In Moses' law, much later on, we learn in Numbers 27 verse 8, that if a man doesn't have any sons, that's me. I don't have any sons. I just have daughters then my daughters could expect an inheritance. But Job wasn't being forced to share grace. Grace had shifted Job. And he, by the direction of God, was living love. So look at it. He gives his daughters. Did you guys notice these daughters' names? Jemima. It means turtle dove. Keziah means cinnamon. Uh, Karihok means horn of paint. Now that all sounds... Totally weird. But do you know what it's all what it's all symbolic of? Cosmetic beauty. In other words, Joe had gone through a really ugly time, and when he got these dollars, when God gave him these dollars, he saw them as God painting his life with beauty. Dig through all these symbols. We don't need you. I'm just telling you, you can go study. All these are symbols of cosmetic beauty. Dig through them all you want. The picture is Job clearly saw these daughters for God's gift of beauty to him, a covering over the ugliness of life. Let me tell you how I can relate to that. I've got two fantastic daughters. I I was just sitting with Rachel yesterday, and I was telling her what a blessing they were to me, what a beautiful thing, what a beautiful gift. My daughters haven't been to me. I read this, this, this account of how God blessed Job and, and how Job has received grace and, and he breaks cultural norms and blesses his family way off in the future. And I totally get it. His daughters are the beautiful gift of God in his life. They cover him with beauty. And he's received grace from God and he extends grace to others. Let me get into a little theology then a little application and we'll move toward what I believe is a powerful close by looking at a parable from Jesus. If you were to look at how Job treated his foes, you get a pretty good illustration of how Christ treated his enemies. He blessed even his enemies. Isn't that a wild thought? The, the most poignant poignant, and pointed picture you get of that is when those guys are nailing Jesus to the cross. What's he say, church? Forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who they're naming. They don't know the consequences. They They don't even know the treachery of their actions. They totally don't get this. Now, I feel like that would have been a great moment for the choir to break in and start singing, Open the eyes of their heart, Lord. Open the. But while their eyes were closed, Christ loved his foes. These days, we get triggered when there's no teepee get cut off in the dual drive-thru line at McDonald's when someone is taking all of the ice cream. I find it very convicting to look at the life of Job when the forgiveness of his foes lays in the power of his prayers. And I wonder do I look at people who I consider my foes and do I love them? Secondly, when you look at his fickle friends, I see a picture of Christ in Israel. The very people who should have recognized him first are the people who rejected him fastest. But what does he do? He loves them anyway. That's who he dies for. When the church is dispersed in Acts chapter 11, the Bible tells us that they were preaching the gospel to the Jews only. In other words, they knew that message was first to them. Even, Even the early church knew that message was first Jews. The people who should have recognized him, blessed him, lauded him, loved him, praised him, honored him. In Job's life, it should have been his friends and his family. His brothers and sisters should have been there, y'all. His friends should have been there. But they they, they fled. They fled in his pain and returned in his prosperity. Even his closest followers, the apostles, Fled at the cross of Jesus but they flocked to the resurrection dining room table isn't that our nature isn't that the nature of our fickle friends do we look at our friends who hurt us and betrayed us and do we issue to them the grace that's been issued to us do we love our friends even our broken friends like Christ to this future family, I see that as a picture of Christ to the Gentiles. They didn't have a place in the inheritance these daughters. These daughters should have been excluded. But in the grace of God flowing through Job, grace experience led to grace shared. And Job looks across the future and includes people that the law wouldn't include because love includes who the law excludes. If you've really had grace, You'll really share grace. If you've really had grace, you'll share grace. You ever notice the way our nature works? Is when we're late, we have a good story. But when someone else is late, how dare they? When we're a little shortchanged, can I be the exception? When someone else is shortchanged, why are you cheating? We long for grace, and God longs to deliver it. So many others long to experience grace through us. Do we long to deliver it? I want to close by looking at a powerful story. And I'm going to be bold enough to ask you guys to turn there. And I promise to go quickly. Go to Matthew 18. I, I, I promise that I'll go, uh, well, I'll go quick. This is in the, um, in the editorial notes, they call this the parable of the unforgiving servant. I want you to notice some things here. I'm going to walk you through the passage. I'm it just to go faster. And I, I kind of want you to see it. I want you to mark it. I want you to study it. I really want you to, to look back and forth with my hands in this passage. So Jesus is talking to Peter. I love Peter. Who doesn't love Peter? Peter oh, I better go over here. I'm walking away. Peter's a big mouth. Peter's a big mouth. I relate to him. I'm a big mouth. Peter comes to him, and he's like, uh, "So, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Does that sound? I mean, you know, he's done the same junk seven times. Is that you know? Is that enough? Shouldn't he straighten up by now?" Jesus says, "No, it's not enough. Seventy-seven times. Except, I believe Jesus clearly sees Peter doesn't get it. So, let me tell him the story." So he starts telling the story. He's like, "You got a friend, right? Y'all like this." So let me tell you a story. There's this king, and he has this servant, and this servant owes this king ten thousand talents. Now, put that in the Bible to modern times calculator, and it is exactly a real whole lot of money. It is more than the man could earn in a lifetime. That's the point. It's more that he could earn in a lifetime. Ergo, it's more than he could pay back in a lifetime. Amen? And the king says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to sell you and your family. And you're going to go somewhere else. And I'm going to take the profit from the sale. And you're going to keep earning and pay me back. So the servant's like, please, please, have mercy on me. And if you look at Matthew 18, it it actually works. It worked. The servant fell on his knees, 1826 tells us, and he implores and says, have patience with me. He says, hold off. Just give me time. Give me time. The king, the king, out of pity, out of pity, the master, the king, he out of pity released the servant. He led him out of bondage and forgave the debt. Whoa. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great story? So would you say at this point the servant has received grace? Absolutely. Alright, now, you got to pay attention. The servant walks outside and runs into another servant. You see where he'd be talking to Peter now? Hey Peter, talking about you and your brother. What he's, what he's, he's saying to him is super clear and super strong. So the servant walks out and he runs into another servant. This servant owes him 100 denarii. He owed the master 10,000 talents, which is way more than he could make in a lifetime. He could never pay the debt. This guy owes him 100 days wages. You might say three months wages. He not only could conquer the debt in a lifetime, he could conquer it in less than a year. He literally grabs the guy and begins to choke him, verse 28 tells us. Now, I owe Snipes Gas Company a little money. I'm telling you, it would be not cool for them to catch me out on the sidewalk and start choking me. Because they would catch me outside, and it would be on me. <laughs> he begins to choke this man. Can you even see it, man? He's man, he lay laying hands on him. This guy, this guy begins to plead with this guy. Remember, this guy had just pled with that guy. That guy had pity. This guy begins to plead with this guy, and he says, let me see what he says. Nope. I want you thrown in jail. To your time payback. back. Now, guess what happens? There's these other folks. These other servants. we got a picture them like this because it's more than one. There's more. <laughs> one. Also, these are my spirit fingers. <laughs> and they get together and say, did you hear what someone told you to touch I did. I heard about it. So these guys get together and go talk to this guy. And they said, Yo, Mr. Master, check it. Homeboy did dirty. King's like, Say, what? Go give me that supper. Get in jail, man. And gone. What's the point of the story? God has forgiven his children more than they could ever pay back enough. He asked us to live together in a radically different way. To live lives of forgiveness. I've forgiven you what eternity can never pay. You learn to forgive each other. Stuff in life. And you know what happens? When grace is radically extended, but isn't even somewhat shared, the radical extension is withdrawn. And there's not even opportunity for ground-level sharing. We live in a culture that teaches us to snatch and grab and look out for number one. God wants to reculture us. He wants us to see that the king has been gracious to his children, so his children are to be gracious to one another. Do you see it, church? Now, many of us love that side of grace we receive, but we don't live that side of grace where we give. But God is calling us to this. If you're anything like me, a little bit macho, this sounds like God is calling you to live sort of sweet and kind. Yep, that's what he's doing. He's asking you to live as a kingdom person and not a worldly person. And it took all of this radical pain to bring Job Job realized the grace he had received. He was a changed and shifted man. And the grace that Job had experienced leads to the grace that Job receives. Let I me mean, excuse me, share. The grace he experienced led him to share grace. Let me close by asking you some questions. Are you a person that shares grace? somebody cuts you off in traffic, do you see that you were rescued out of hell and you can let them off the hook, or do you have to flip them off and cuss them out? You get a bad meal in the restaurant, do you have to put everybody on blast on Facebook, or can you just say, I've been rescued out of the kingdom of hell. I think I can let this go. Do you look at people who are legitimately indebted to you and say, I want to mirror Jesus. I want to be like I want to be like Jesus. Do you look at your friends who've hurt your feelings and done you wrong and say, I want them back at my table? I just want them back at my table. I want them back at my table not on the basis of how good or how bad they've been. I want them back at my table on the basis of how good God is. And do you look out across the feet the future and say, I want to leave a legacy? Don't even live long enough to see how good they'll be. If we really experience grace, we will really share grace. Maybe that'll make us a little softer than we set out to be, but it'll also make us more godly than we ever thought we'd be. If you experience grace and you don't share grace, I want to urge you to go back to the whale go back to the world. Go back to the source of grace and begin to see how good God has been to his church, how good he's been to your family, and how good he's been to you. Another part of this is if we let the seed of bitterness be planted in us, it will grow into a sapling, and it will bear the fruit of bitterness, and we'll sit around eating that basket of trash alone. Ask God to help you identify the seeds of bitterness and with his grace to kick them out of your garden and ask God to create a shift in you where something else gets sown in your life. The goodness of God gets sown so deeply in your life that you share his goodness with others. One of my favorite songs says Grace, Grace God's grace grace that is greater than who knows all our sin all our sin sin. so if the grace that has been extended to us is greater than all our sin and certainly the kind of grace that can flow through us that can forgive the sins of our brothers and sisters if he can forgive us and we We haven't experienced this forgiveness, we'll just play the game down here of snatching bread up. Have you been to the well? Have you been to the fountain? Have you found the big unending bucket of bubble gum? And are you getting other people chewing too? If He can deliver us out of hell, we can serve find. All of the tension in our world, all of the hatred, all of the meanness, all of the isms that are going on, I believe what the church needs to stand up and do is live out of the grace we have received. And no, it's not going to be the, on the basis of whether people deserve it, it's going to be in spite of the fact that they don't deserve it, because that's how it came to us. Are you sharing the grace you have received? Father, Thank you for a chance to share your word. Thank you for a chance to look at the life of Job and to look in the mirror and to honestly analyze whether we are sharing the grace we have experienced. And if it has been lately that we have not absorbed or seen or observed or or taken stock of the grace we have received, then maybe today's teaching will make us count our blessings and name them one by one. Maybe it'll make us see the ways that we have and are experiencing your grace and maybe we might walk away saying how can I be good to somebody else? Lord Jesus you challenge us. You challenge us. Some people call it the golden rule and that shortens it. You challenge us not to live in the payback sort of way of living but to live in the Forward giving way of living. Go do the very things we wish someone would do to us. Go ahead and go do it. We've experienced such grace. We should live as people of grace. Holy Spirit, you want us to exalt Jesus in our life. So help us see the grace given to us in Christ and to share that grace with others. In Jesus we pray man.